This is Fresh Tracks Weekly. We were doing an interview in the studio earlier and I was too lazy to switch it back to normal, so I just got the black backdrop for today. But I have a pretty short episode uh, this week, about half the office is out. No fishing corner, no deeper dive, but I do have some quick hitters on a few news stories. In Kansas, House Bill 2079 was introduced, which would give residents of Kansas a free deer tag every year. Most state wildlife agencies are primarily funded through hunting and fishing license sales, Kansas included. So opponents of this bill are quick to point out that offering free deer tags will take funding away from Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks and would drastically limit the department's ability to do their job. There is speculation that the true goal of this bill is to take ownership of wildlife away from the public and move it towards those who have deeper pockets. In Southeast Alaska, the United States Department of Agriculture restored roadless area rules on the Tongass National Forest. The rule had been in place since 2001, which prohibited road construction, reconstruction, and timber harvest within inventory and roadless areas, with a few exceptions. But in 2020, the rule was changed and the protections were removed. Uh, but now in this most recent move, it's back to the original rule. If you've seen any of our episodes in Southeast Alaska with Jim Bachetail, he often talks about the importance of old growth forests for winter range for sick of blacktails, and also how very little true old growth forests still exist in Southeast Alaska. Much of the old growth on the Tongass has been logged and is now experiencing second growth, where timber grows up in uniformity and it often is very poor quality habitat. This scenario creates management challenges as opportunities exist to manage and harvest second growth timber in ways that create better habitat. But at the same time, you wanna protect those old growth stands where you have incredible wildlife habitat already. Critics of the roadless rule claim it hamstrings their ability to manage the timber, while proponents claim that the rule is important to protect the landscape. Really what we need to do is have Jim Bates Talon for a deeper dive on this subject. In Nevada, on the Sheldon National Wildlife Refuge, a large scale fence removal project is nearing an end. Volunteer crews have been working for years removing fences totaling nearly 350 miles. That's old fence that's been removed from the landscape. Fences have long been known to be a barrier to wildlife, but it seems lately there has been momentum picking up, both studying the true impact and working on projects to deal with the problem. Fences are a necessary tool in the West for livestock grazing, but land managers and ranchers alike have realized that many issues exist with these old style fences, especially the woven wire fences that were used for domestic sheep. Many previous sheep operations have since converted to cattle and no longer require that old type of fencing, but there's still many woven wire fences out on the landscape. Also, studies have shown that methods of building fence with either wires too low, too high, or too close together are not necessary to contain cattle, and there are wildlife-friendly specifications that can work to keep cattle in, but let wildlife through. There's also an exciting technology that is starting to emerge that could revolutionize ranching, as well as mitigating wildlife barriers with invisible fences, similar to that that you have commercially available for dogs, uh, but where the animal can wear a GPS collar and it emits a noise as it nears this invisible boundary and electric shock as it gets closer. Imagine not having to build or maintain a fence and be able to remotely control where your livestock is on the landscape and also being able to see where your animals are at all times. It would save countless costs as well as manual labor. Right now, there are multiple studies evaluating the use of these collars on cattle and the preliminary results are encouraging. Multiple companies have begun to develop the technology and it seems to be evolving rapidly. Currently, it is pretty expensive, but so is building and maintaining traditional barbed wire fences. Uh, one could only imagine that wide-scale adoption will start to take place as it becomes more economical. Wild pigs may soon be in the northern United States. William up in Manitoba has been emailing me some super interesting information on this. Wild pigs are not native to North America and largely are considered a nuisance species, causing crop damage, native habitat damage, 
competing with and also directly killing native wildlife. Pigs will eat eggs, newly hatched birds, amphibians, snakes, and have also been documented eating white-tailed deer fawns. Because of how adaptable they are and their ability to thrive in a wide variety of areas combined with their high reproductive rates and a lack of natural predators, the populations expand very rapidly. Pigs have been raised as livestock in Canada for a while. And being in a northern climate, many of these operations crossbred domestic pigs with wild boars to create a larger variety that survived better in the cold. Some of these pigs escaped and became feral. Also in the early 2000s, the market for farm-raised boar crashed and many were just let free. Now large populations of wild pigs exist in Canada and are inching closer to the U.S. border and realistically could have already crossed. Case studies show that hunting is not an efficient way to control them. They often become smarter at hiding, evading, and they become nocturnal. Research has also shown that ground trapping is one of the best methods for removal where you catch the entire group at once. This becomes more difficult though as the pigs become more educated. It'll be interesting to see how the northern states react and handle the situation when they inevitably show up. On the bright side, there are now a lot of examples of what not to do when they show up. This week, the Montana Elk Citizens Coalition held their elk camp at the Capitol where speakers came together on the Capitol lawn to talk about elk management in Montana. The coalition was formed after a last legislative session in which a number of bills were introduced that moved towards privatizing wildlife and creating worse situations for the public land hunter. The coalition is designed to work towards a common goal of having, quote, equitable management of elk for all. The speakers included Governor Greg Gianforte, former Fish, Wildlife, and Parks Commissioner Pat Byworth, Montana Outfitters and Guides Association President Dustin Crary, and two Montana lawmakers, Senator Jeff Wellborn and Representative Tom France. Governor Gianforte was behind some of these past ideas that so many Montanans got fired up over during this last session, but it sounds as though he and other stakeholders involved in this are a little more aware of what they can and cannot get away with, especially as it pertains to Montanans elk hunting. Gianforte attempted to rally the crowd, mentioning recent successes of creating a new wildlife management area, along with expanding an existing one. Critics noted the hypocrisy of the governor's statements as one of the big funding mechanisms for those purchases came from Habitat Montana. And recently, Gianforte's budget proposal took money that was dedicated to Habitat Montana and rerouted it. But the overall theme at Elk Camp at the Capitol seemed to focus around finding common goals and to start with a consensus package of bills. There were a number of proposals that were brought up. One of them involves doubling the maximum payment to landowners for block management. Block management is Montana's public access program where the state pays private landowners to allow public hunting. This bill would make the program a little more competitive with outfitters or hunt clubs leasing up land. Another goal of the coalition was to urge lawmakers to use $200 million towards establishing the Montana Legacy Trust. It would be a permanent trust account to improve land and wildlife at local levels throughout Montana on both public and private land. The state has a $1.8 million surplus during this budget cycle, allowing for a unique opportunity to allocate some of the money towards this trust. Another set of bills focuses on allocations of tags to private landowners. Montana currently allocates 15% of special permits to private landowners that own sufficient land within the hunting district. A new bill would change how non-resident landowners owning more than 2,500 acres are given preference to those tags, but would also be restricted to hunting their own deeded land. A different bill would increase the minimum required acreage to participate in this landowner preference program, moving the required acreage up to 640 acres for deer and antelope and to 1,280 acres for elk. Another bill that reforms the 454 program. This program was where landowners were given special permits in exchange for allowing public access. This bill would change it to where the landowner has to allow like hunting opportunities. Basically, if the landowner gets to shoot a bull, the public access hunters also get to shoot bulls. 
another bill that would limit non-residents from buying multiple antlerless deer licenses, and another one to increase trespassing fines, another one that would require in-person hunter education field days. This used to be the case, but with COVID, they moved the entire hunter education class online. Anyways, we haven't seen the exact language of these bills yet, but for the most part, they have wide support amongst stakeholders on all sides. There seems to be somewhat of a truce currently where both sides are agreeing to not go after certain things. We'll see if it lasts. Well, it's a short episode this week. Next week, we'll be back at it and hopefully with some updates from Randy and Michael and what they've been up to. And also, you can feel free to email us at weekly at freshtracks.tv. I'll put the email in the description if you have anything that you want to share with us. Thanks for watching.